Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Truth podcast. This is another episode. I don't know where this is going to go in the uh, sequence of podcasts, so I'm not going to say if it's our second or third or whatever the case may be, but this podcast is a little bit of discussion, a little bit of story time on miracles. Yeah. Miracles that we've experienced, and we'll talk about miracles a little bit in the Bible. But yeah, we uh, we're at church today, and this is the topic, and kind of felt like we should discuss it. So yeah, um, we had an interesting interesting day at church today, or interesting morning, I should say. So this is kind of like a Holy Spirit filled story time. Um, we just are just in awe of God's goodness, um, and. Yeah, I mean, we felt the presence and and the goodness of God today at church. We were having a discussion about miracles and healing. And, um, you know, as a lot of you guys may or may not know, Ryan has PKD, polycystic kidney disease. Um, I can't remember when we found out. When was it? it I think it was like 2017 on July 3rd. Fifth, right after the 4th of July. Okay. And, yeah. and I remember that date because I was wrestling with my brother and he <laughs> tackled me and then I fell on the ground. And then the next day I was peeing blood. Yeah. You were peeing blood. And, um, Ryan refused to go to the hospital for like a week or two. Like he was peeing blood for a long time. Wait, wait, did I? Yeah, you did. You refused oh. to go for like a really long time. And then it wasn't going away. I think at first you were just kind of like, it's not really going away. And, um, why do you think we went to the hospital right away? Well, I remember when I found out I was at work and I went to the bathroom Yeah, and I peed and mm-hmm. it was blood. And then I went back into my office and I think I called you and I said, yeah, I'm peeing blood. And you were like, uh, what? And I think I actually went to Meridian. We right did, after but we that. didn't go right away. Oh, really? No, we didn't. You said I'm peeing blood. This is really funny. Sorry guys. If we're so graphic, we're going back and forth, but, um, but yeah, no, you, you said I'm peeing blood. You sent me a picture of it and I said, okay, we should go to the hospital. And then I think you said, I'm busy or something. Yeah. Let me see if it's going to go away. Um, and it could be just, you know, something minor or whatever. So you didn't really, you didn't hmm. really go to the hospital, but then I think when it wasn't going away, it was like day seven, you kind of started freaking out a little bit. And then we did go to the Meridian. Um, I don't know if you had like insurance stuff that you didn't want to deal with that you didn't want to go that could be or something like that because you had honeycomb going on at the time right yeah yeah so anyways um yeah we ended up going to the hospital um or the emergency and it was kind of like a little bit nerve-wracking to be honest because that's kind of a weird thing to to happen to you it's like yeah peeing blood (laughs) yeah it was it was it was odd because i didn't have any real understanding of the anatomy and how that works i actually have quite a bit of understanding now too. So if, you know, you know, if you're peeing blood, if someone's peeing blood, I kind of know what, what that means at this point. But at the time it was just like, you know, it was actually a very stressful time at work. We were mm-hmm. building companies and stuff and really, really stressful. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I just walk into the bathroom and just peeing blood. And, um, we were, we lived in Wilsonville at that point. And so, yeah, yeah. it was right next to the office too. And I, I'm sure I was being stubborn to some extent, but uh, yeah, I just kept bleeding, kept peeing blood. And I was like, okay, well, I'm bleeding a lot. Yeah. So, and, we, uh, so went we went in. Yeah. We went in and we were sitting in the in the room and the lady took your blood pressure and your blood pressure was extremely high. Yeah. And you looked at me and I, I was terrified, to be honest with you. I was just like freaking out. I had no idea what was going on. At this point, I was pretty convinced that, you know, 
it could be something bad because how could you be peeing blood for this long? Um, but yeah, your blood pressure was extremely high and you said, well, I'm a little nervous and you know, so that's probably why it is probably normal. And the, the doctor, she came in and she said, yeah, it's pretty high and you know, but you know, that could be a, that could be a reason, but let's do a CT scan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny though, coming in because you know, I, I was like, yeah, I'm peeing blood. And the person was like, well, how much blood are you peeing? Like, what does your pee look like? I'm like, it's like red. And yeah. they're like, oh, well, we'll check to see. Because, you know, a lot of times people say they're peeing blood. And it'll be just a little bit of discoloration. It'll be like what they, it's like this microscopic, I think it's called hemod, I, ah, I won't try the name, but. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, you know, I did the, the urine sample and they're like, yeah, you're peeing blood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes you can be peeing blood and they don't even see it in your urine, yeah. but it was, it was visible. Um, we're giving you guys a visual. Yeah. It's, this is a, this is a graphic, <laughs> but I think people will appreciate the story time. Um, so yeah, they said, let's do a CT scan and they well, did. Yeah, they did. And I'll actually say too, that I had no basis for what was going on. I was like, okay, I, I have no idea. I have no idea how these things come about. I was like, maybe I have cancer. Maybe I have some other thing. I no idea. But then she came in and she asked because it was going to cost, you know, we later found out it was going to cost a fair amount of money given my insurance. And she's like, can we do a CT? Do you want to do that? I'm like, well, if we don't know what it is and I'm peeing blood, we probably should do a CT because yeah. uh, we're not going to figure it out then. Right. Yeah. So I went ahead and did that. Um, and, uh, she came back. Yeah, she came back and she was, she wasn't showing her cards or anything. She wasn't giving us any hints of what I know, she thought it was. So stressful. And she was like, well, um, it looks like you have polycystic kidney disease. Yeah. She was pretty and, straight up and confident with, with her answer. And I was kind of like, um, how does she know so quickly what it is? But apparently when you have PKD, you have PKD, you literally have polycystic yeah. kidney disease. You literally <laughs> yep. are covered in cysts your kidneys are covered in cysts yeah, and, so, and it's not easy to, I mean, you're not going to miss that. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the requirements for it is t a lot of times they'll do it by ultrasound and not necessarily CT, but the CT, you have a very good image. And I think the, when I was reading the literature, how you'd kind of detect it is, you know, if you see a few cysts on there, then it's like, you know, potentially PKD because you can actually have a cyst on your kidney and it's just like this, you know, fluid filled kind of bubble but with PKD, you have tons of them, mm -hmm. like hundreds or like thousands covered. of them. And it just kind of, they grow and grow and grow. And you think of it a little bit like a, it's not cancer in the way that cancer is, but it, it displaces the kidney and destroys the kidney. And over time it just is done. Um, but anyway, we didn't see the CT actually at the time. No, we, we did didn't not. see it. She just said you had PKD. And you know, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't think too much of it. It was, I was thinking maybe like cancer. It was like, well, she didn't say cancer and I she know. said polycystic kidney disease. And I was like, okay, well, polycyst, maybe a few cysts, you know, people yeah. have ovarian cysts and other things. I was like, okay, it's kidney disease. What's the big deal? So I remember driving home and I texted my mom and I just texted her. I just texted her, I have PAKD. <laughs> that's all I said. That's so, funny. so she, she sent back and she was concerned and stuff. And I was like, I, you know, I was like, seems like it's, it seems like it takes a long time for you to lose your kidney function and all that. And again, we had not seen the kidney. Yeah. But it's interesting because she did say, you know, check in with your primary care physician because you have high blood pressure. Yeah. And I think, you know, you said, oh, I've always had high blood pressure. It's pretty normal. And, you know, at the time you were actually under a lot of stress. You yeah, were doing Honeycomb, um, which is one of the company's the business startup company. That yeah. It didn't built. work out, you know, was like, I don't want to say epic fail, but it was a stressful. <laughs> it was a stressful. It yeah. was a stressful kind of situation. And you were just like, 
you had a lot going on. You well, were like, I, I have to raise money. 12 to 16 hours a yeah. day and every day. And it was crazy. And a lot of people, a lot of pressure and, you know, tons of people that relied on me and lots of money involved and lots of investors yeah. involved and lots of expectations. So you involved. didn't really prioritize yourself at all. I mean, you kind of like went back to work. Um, yeah. and yeah, so. Yeah. I think, uh, it was interesting though, cause I did research on it a little bit and, uh, you know, up until then, and, and you know this about me, I always, I always joked with you. I said, I'm going to live to be 120. Yeah, you always and, said that. And, uh, and the reason I picked up 120 and didn't say forever was because, you know, God said the number is you're going to be, your years are going to be limited <laughs> to 120. So I wasn't about to go against God, but I was like, I'm going to max it out. And yeah. I was like, I'm just going to live. The, and I, I really did feel invincible at the time. I was you did. running these companies. I was building things. I was like, stuff was going, even though it was stressful, I really felt like, you Nothing never slowed down. Yeah, yeah. You, like he never, like never slowed down. Like this man would be up twenty four seven, eating whatever he wants to eat, doing whatever he wants to do. I mean, like you, it was kind of crazy. And I always rolled your, my eyes at you when you said you're going to live until one hundred and twenty. It just kind of like, okay, that's weird. Like, good luck yeah. with that. But but the real funny thing is, is you know, and I, you know, I said that kind of tongue in cheek, but it was a real. It, for me personally and spiritually, it was, it was a real, it wasn't, it didn't like destroy me. I had like three days, I think, where I was like, really like, depressed. Oh, yeah, I was depressed. I was yeah. like, well, I'm going to die. Shit. Yeah. You really um, had like three, I mean, maybe like three or four or five, I mean a week, let's just say a week. It was like a week a of week. like Ryan, like crying over the Bible, <laughs> <laughs> like laying on our couch that was falling apart. We had this like yeah. leather couch that. I got from, um, humanity, the something humanity or something. Habitat for humanity. Habitat or something. for humanity yeah. for 60 bucks. Yeah. I mean, we were broke back then. And, yeah, we um, broke. yeah, I, I he, the couch is falling apart and he's just like sobbing on the couch and I'm just like, Oh my goodness. This and, is so... and I think I was like on the couch and like the leather was peeling off. So I think part of the couch, cause I was like sobbing was like on my face. Yeah. Like it was just like, yeah. it was a hot yeah, mess. It was a mess. So I put a, I put a blanket on the couch so that, um, he was at least laying on the blanket and not on the, the couch that was peeling. Um, so yeah, it was pretty depressing. I mean, I, it was kind of crazy for me because like I said, for some weird reason, I, I also kind of just, you know, you were young and you were just working hard and I didn't ever really think that that was going to ever be a thing. Um, but you know, you eventually went to your primary care physician and she eventually gave you high blood pressure medication. And then she said, you know, you need to go see a specialist. A specialist yeah. So we went and we made an appointment with the specialist and we went to go see it. It's so funny because that we walk into the appointment and this guy, this is his last day. He's yeah, retiring. I mean, pretty much his last day. I mean, he was on his outs. He was just like an old guy and he really good physician from what I hear. But uh, yeah, he was like, he was just like probably weeks or months away from retirement. And so I, for some reason, I thought that was the last day he was. It could have actually been the last day he too. he came in late, remember? And then we yeah, were like, yeah. they were like, oh, he's late. And I think the front office lady mentioned the one that checked us in, like, you know, he's, today's his last day. Um, and he's retiring or something. And I was kind of like, so why would they give us him? Like, why would they, why would he even take an appointment yeah, yeah, yeah. with a it's new like, patient? Like yeah. you're leaving, you know? But so yeah, we went in the room and he kind of just told us whatever Google told us at the time. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, okay, this guy's really checked out. Yeah, Cause you know, I, I, given how I like to research everything, I, I really researched stuff. We looked at things and, and he's yeah repeating the Google stuff essentially and telling me and I'm like, okay. And you know, didn't really get much out of that. I was a little bit disappointed, honestly, because it's, it's just one of those diseases where it's like, 
you just ride, you know, until, yeah, you just until ride your kidney until you, fails. Mm-hmm, then you need a new kidney, then, you go on dialysis. And that's kind of, you know, what they tell you. They're just kind of like, mm, sorry, you don't really know what to tell you. Like, this is what it is. Yeah, take your high blood pressure mm-hmm. medicine and take your, you know, annual or biannual sort of blood test to see how fast your kidneys are deteriorating. And then when you get too close to the bottom of the barrel there, then yeah, yeah. then we sign you up for a new one if we can find one. Yeah. So we'll that's dialysis. Yeah. And so we were in the office and I think I asked the guy, like, can we look at the kidneys? Like, yeah. and he goes, Oh, you haven't seen them yet. And I'm like, no, we haven't seen them yet. Can we take a look? Yes, we so, go. you know, he pulls us into the other room, pulls yeah, out it, uh, the computer, his office. And, you know, he starts going through the CT scans and I just like my heart sank. Like I was like, trying to actually hold back tears because I couldn't, like, I was legit, like, I cannot believe that's what his kidneys look like. I don't know what you were on that day. The funny thing is, is I was pretty optimistic for some weird reason. And whatever I saw, I was like, I went away from that look and I was like, Hey, that wasn't so bad. Like that, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, that didn't look too bad. Because he was too concerned about what was happening back at the office. Like he didn't even like, I don't, I think you were actually in a I, rush to like go back to a meeting or something. Yeah, I, it could be. I have no idea, but I just remember like. So, so we went away from that, that with actually two, what we would find out later, two very different perspectives. Um, and I don't think until. I mean, when did I get the next CT when it was? Well, I think what happened was, like you said, we left with two different perspectives for sure. I was like, okay, like, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. He's in denial. <laughs> like, he's in the stages of denial. <laughs> like, I mean, this man was like, like I said, he was falling apart with the couch. So I didn't want to like, I didn't want to be like, that was bad. That was so horrible. But in my mind and in my, in, in my mind, like I was just like freaking out and, just, I, I couldn't believe it. And I would look at pictures of PKD kidneys on Google and, you know, and at one point I was like, I just don't want to tell you, like, I don't want to ruin your bliss because you were busy with work and you were distracted. And I'm like, you know what, maybe he's distracting himself. And, you know, he's just kind of like in this denial distraction phase. And let me just not like kill I, his I was vibe. Just, I was just an idiot. I just didn't see, I just didn't see it. I, I, don't, I honestly don't know why, because I am actually pretty decent at reading CTs and I, and yeah, I, and you're very like, you have a good attention to detail when it comes yeah, to things I, like I that. I must so. have like been looking at the wrong organ or something. I don't know. You must but, yeah. have been looking at the wrong organ because yeah, th- it was hard to miss. So yeah, I mean, then we went away with that and you know, I was always kind of like harping on him to take his blood pressure medication right, yeah. because I saw what his kidneys look like. So I'm like, he needs to be taking his blood pressure medication. Ryan is a very stubborn guy. Like that's not, I don't think that's news. Like it's, no one's going to be surprised by me saying that, but yeah, I I wanted to come up with something without taking the medicine. I wanted to see, you know, could I lose some weight? Could I do some exercise? Could I do whatever? But I was also really busy and work was very stressful. And so I really just didn't take it that seriously um, with the blood pressure stuff. And I'm trying to think, I mean, you can continue telling the story, but I'm trying to think when that came to a head. Um, I know. I'm trying to think too, because you, you know, you continued working and going back to your normal, you know, day to day stuff. And you just really didn't ever pay attention to the kidney stuff. Um, It just really wasn't a thing. I think, like he said, he really, I think at one point dove really into it and you were trying to do the keto diet and stuff like that. And you cut out coffee. Yeah. 
um, and you were trying to figure out how to reverse it or something like that. Yeah. Or you read some studies that said that like the keto diet or fasting can reverse right. it. And so you fasted for seven days straight one time. And I think 11 days, actually. 11 days you yeah. did. You did. You fasted for like 11 days and you were like losing a lot of weight. At this point we were living in, um, in the apartment where we had our first, our first baby. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, and I will say too, like when I was first diagnosed, going back a little bit, there was no pain. I had no idea that any of this was happening. They're like, well, you have no pain. That's pretty surprising. And I'm like, yeah, I don't feel anything. And you know, um, I had been working out and had a personal trainer for a while. And so I was, you know, exercising. And then about six months later Mm -hmm. is when the pain started. Yeah. And And that's when you started doing the fasting and the dieting. And, and that's when you thought like, you know, um, and Ryan has all these theories. I mean, I guess he's a researcher, so they have a bunch of theories. Um, but one of his theories were was that the blood pressure medication was somehow the problem. And no, I'm not like, not necessarily the problem. I I will say to this day that when I if I go off the blood pressure medicine for a little bit and then I get back on it, there are a few days where it actually causes pain for some reason, and yeah. it's probably just because maybe things are reorienting or something. I I don't know what's going on, but I also had tons of theories. I was like, well, if I eat this, it seems like it hurts, or if I do this, or if I sit like this. Yeah, he thought but, at one point that like oranges were did causing. I, did I think orange? Did, did I go through orange? Okay, wow. You thought you thought everything was like I'm telling you. But, yeah, I think I think at the end of the day though, I think in the reality, it's just like randomly will just hurt for no yeah. reason, and it's usually a persistent pain. Like it's like a little bit of a not a bad thorn in your side, but something in your side for. Or like when you're really hungry or something, it just kind of hurts persistently. And sometimes it'll go away, but usually it's pretty persistent. But it would go, sometimes go on and off. And so I would just always be trying to like hunt down, like, what is it? And I would track yeah. my food or I track this, I track or that. Like how what much you water ate I tra- that day. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you know, you were actually, when the pain started, you were very diligent about trying to, um, eat healthier and work out and you had the my fitness app or something yeah. like that where you tracked your food and you fasted for 11 days and you were praying and you know and 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 it kind of like subsided i think there was a point where we were just like really busy holiday season came around and we were like okay we can't like do this whole keto thing so we kind of just you know yeah yeah oh yeah i remember that yeah, yeah it was the holidays came around and that took us off off track um, for a, a really long time. And I think at the time I was pregnant with our second baby. Yeah. And um, I think I'd gone two or three months on keto. I think. You did, you did, you did two or three months on keto. Um, and then holidays came and then we were in the process of buying a house, yeah, having, um, having our second, kid. having our second kid. And we were and just then, yeah. eating Chick-fil-A all the time. Um, he was just eating pregnancy cravings with me, whatever I was craving. Well, well, actually, actually I, I, I think I, I take that back. No, that first quarter I was on keto. Remember I was drinking coffee. I was eating lots you of You were fats. on keto when I was giving birth. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Remember? And, yep. Yeah. And at the hospital, my mom said that uh, I looked like I was really sick. I didn't actually feel you super sick. You looked like you were sick. You looked like you were going to like die on me that That's day. That's so was... crazy. I, I didn't feel, I mean, I was up you a lot. You bad, babe. It I? was scary. And not yeah. even like bad. It was like, he looked like a, like a, a sick person, like someone who was like sick. And it's funny because you're, you know, we were eating a lot of Chick-fil-A at the time. No, I was no, craving no, no, Chick-fil-A, no, no, no. but hold on, hold on. No, but I wasn't because I was on keto. I only had my first non-keto when we had that, um, you're the right. Dark, you're yeah, right. The, the, the shalom y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was eating a lot of Chick Fil A yeah, then. We were eating a lot of Chick Fil A. Um. But yeah. So he, we were having our our baby, our second baby, and we were in the hospital, and everybody was worried about Ryan that day. 
Like it was so weird though, because honestly I was just tired from all the stuff, but I'm sure I look bad because I was on keto. I was pretty, I was very diligent about it. I was in ketosis for like months and I did lose a lot of weight. You did lose a lot of and, weight. Um, you know, I thought from the, you know, kind of the research articles looking at it, it's like, okay, well let's see what happens. And I actually had a CT scan, like I think a little bit maybe before I started or around mid, mid time that I started. Cause I wanted to take a picture of my kidneys mm-hmm. before and after. And I had this idea that like I was going to contribute something to research. I was going to do a before and after. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was interesting. Um, and for a while, actually, during the Christmas break or whatever else, or maybe it was after that, I did feel good for several weeks. Like I didn't have any pain when I started the keto thing. But then, you know, apparently I looked bad from what you were telling me and everyone else was telling me afterwards. And then I uh, kind of broke the keto thing. And I just, and, and there's also a funny story too, because, yeah. you know, I think I was low on potassium because after you gave birth, we were in the... Uh, yeah. And that's <laughs> a funny thing. Cause I mean, that's another different story. I mean, like my birthing experience, it's just so funny because, you know, we will have to tell the story of, of our second baby and just, you know, cause God showed himself to me in that, in that time, you know, in that season a lot. And, um, I was giving birth and I was going through the worst pain of my life. However, the Holy spirit was present. So I was really just like, I felt like I was jokingly saying, like, I felt like I was having a baby pre curse, like pre the Eve curse, you know, Genesis where God's like, Hey, you're going to have a baby, but it's going to be miserable. It's like, I was having a baby and it was kind of chill. Like I wasn't that miserable. Like I wasn't in that much pain. Like I was pretty, (laughs) I was in pain, but like, but it wasn't that bad. Like, yeah. I don't know how to explain it. So anyways, we get to the room and um, Ryan is sitting in the, in the laying on the bed there right in front of me. And I literally just gave birth yeah. maybe like 25 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah. So like the doctor comes in or the nurse comes in and she's like, you know, has some Advil for me. And she's like, okay, what do you prefer? Advil, Tylenol. And she's like, here's three Advils or sorry, ibuprofens or Tylenols or something. And Ryan is sitting across from me and he's having the worst lay cramp of like his life. The like incredibly painful. <laughs> like I'm like trying to hold it together and not cry as this nurse comes in asking my wife who just gave birth if she's okay, how she feels. And I'm like re- reeling in pain because <laughs> it's just the it, funniest thing ever. Like literally across from me on the bed I'm laying on is like Ryan, who's like literally like face is red. His eyes are watery. Like this man is like in the thick of it and i'm like sitting here like bro like (laughs) if you know people out there who have had leg cramps this was like a 20 minute solid like like i dozed (laughs) off and then my calves just like clenched up and i was it was painful i felt kind of odd though because i'm like yeah my wife she just pushed a a human being out of herself okay the most vulnerable part of her body and this man is holding on to his calves like just like looking at me like and i'm just like men are so weak (laughs) (laughs) like that's literally what i thought i'm just like damn men are so weak like this man is dying over here and i just literally had his baby 25 minutes ago like where is like where's the the crew that comes in and they're like you know but anyway, so the, the the woman comes in with a little cup, you know, they put the Tylenols in the cup, whatever. I can't even remember ibuprofen or Tylenol. It doesn't even matter. And I'm literally like, Ryan, come over here and take this. And then I ask her, I'm like, do you have a heating pad? Or like, my husband has a really bad leg. <laughs> and I was so pissed when she said that. I'm like, don't like call me out. Like, just save me without calling me out. And she, cause she was giving me, you know, they like when you give,
give birth, they give you these like heating pads oh, yeah, and heating stuff pads. Yeah, that you can like, you know, like, put yeah. on your uterus and stuff as you're breastfeeding. And so this, so he's freaking out and I'm like, okay, like I'm giving him my medication. And it's so <laughs> funny because I didn't even realize I was doing this in front of the nurse and she's looking at me like, um, I don't think you're allowed to do that. Like you can't. Yeah, you're not give, supposed to give your drugs to someone else. You're not supposed to give your drugs to someone else. But I'm like, he's in pain. Like, can he? Can I? Like, can I have heating pads for him? And so she comes back and brings me heating pads for me, and then I throw it to him. And, anyways, it was just it. It, it was a weird thing because I felt like he was weak the whole time, and not in a. I'm not calling you weak, but like you, you're not even your spirit. But it was just like there was something that was about to break inside of you. Yeah, yeah, and. And it was breaking, but you were fragile. That's the better word. Yeah, you fragile, were very yeah. fragile. You know, the thing too is I, I, I actually did, I, I'll keep on saying, I actually did not feel fragile, but I definitely looked that way for sure. And what came after that was is, is, epic. Was epic. And yeah. so, you know, I think I, maybe it was two months, you know, I just went back to normal. We just had a new baby. Well, here we go. We bought it. We just bought, bought a house. Our, our first house. Um, the pandemic just happened a week after we bought the house. Yeah. About two or three weeks after we just had our a second baby. child. Yeah. And so we were moving, we were having a baby, we were having a house, the pandemic started, everything was locked down, you couldn't go anywhere, world's falling apart, stock market crashing. And so we were just like, okay, well, you know, I'll chill from home a little bit, went into work a little bit, you know, but mostly chilled at home because everyone else was. I mean, I was gonna and, say, it was kind of like an amazing time for me until Ryan literally, you know, broke yeah. And so this is where the story goes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, he stayed at home for eight weeks. It was like literally the best time ever because he only takes like three to four, maybe two week, you know, paternal leave when he's working. Um, so yeah, I had him for eight weeks, but then it, whatever that was happening inside of him broke again. But this time it was like, it was like, he yeah. was not only peeing blood, but he was well, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go into the details. Yeah. Hold on a second. I want to, I want to. I want to build up to that. Okay. So it wasn't just peeing blood. So it was about a couple months in, I started having pretty, pretty decent pain in my side. You know, the, the normal side that I usually have the pain on like my left side. And so it got a little bit bad, but not too bad. You know, I was a little bit, you know, tired and, um, but there was about two weeks or so where it was just a lot of pressure and it was like, okay, this is more painful than normal. Um, and then, kind of dealt with it. I might've taken some medicine, like just normal Tylenol or ibuprofen mm-hmm. or something. And then, you know, and correct me if I'm not, not remembering the full story. I mean, it was pretty delirious at the time, but there was just one day we were sitting in bed, right. Mm-hmm. And we were watching the uh, first season of the oh, chosen, yeah. yeah, which was, you know, it's about Jesus and the, uh, his, his life and that story. And it was the first season and we we're really excited to watch it. And we watched the first episode um, and about halfway through or midway through or something, I just had this tiny, like little, little, little tiny pain in my side. Like, and it, I think it was on, you know, I know it was on the side that I never had pain before. So it was yeah, my right side. True. And, you know, if you were just looking at that at face value, we would think nothing of it. It was just a little touch. And I remember looking over to you as we were watching the show about Jesus. And I said, this is going to be the most painful thing I've ever gone through in my life. And I had no basis for saying that because it wasn't painful at that moment. But I said, this is going to be the most painful thing I ever go through in my life right now. And she, you just were like, oh, okay. And it's like, oh, is it bad? I'm like, it's not bad yet. And then 
after we finished the show, and I'm not sure if it was half hour, hour later or something, mm -hmm. it was the worst pain I had ever felt in my life. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, someone had stabbed a dagger. It didn't go, like not going through the skin, but in your organ that a knife just went through my kidneys and it was just excruciating, um, excruciating pain. I was on the floor. Yeah, you were crying on the, on the floor. floor. I mean, I don't know if I was crying. I, uh, actually, I was probably crying. You were just, and yeah. I was praying and I was praying and I just, you know, it was at night. So it was like, I'm not going to the emergency room. I'm, I'm yeah. going to kick this. But man, I mean, if you got shot, that's probably what it feels like. If you got I stabbed. I mean, it was just, it was hard for me to watch because you were in so much pain that you were sweating. You were like on fire, like you were hot. Like I couldn't even touch you. I remember I was like trying to like, you know, soothe him and like rub his back. And he, I just, I couldn't even, it was just like, I didn't know how to comfort you. I was yeah. just, it was. There was, there was nothing. It was, it was, I'm, I'm trying to come up with words of like describing it and it's, it's, unbearable. And so I remember like you were trying to comfort me and I'm just, I have to go downstairs. I'm like, I have to go downstairs and pray by myself. Like I got, yeah. this is like between me and God at this point. I know point Ryan is like Jesus, you know, when he's like leaves his disciples and he's like, I need to be in solid. What do you, how do you say <laughs> solitude. that? Solitude. Ryan's like, I need solitude. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I went downstairs just right over there um, in the room and I was just on the ground praying and praying and praying and praying for hours and hours and praying and praying and praying and praying. And praying. And it was just excruciating. Like I said, I, I, I was on fire and extreme pain. And then at one point I, I just realized like, I can't do this. Like I can't yeah. do this anymore. And so I came up to you and I said, for whatever reason, I said, you have to pray for me. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I think you were actually taking like a whole bunch of Tylenol and Advil and all sorts of stuff to try to help with the pain, but it, you know, you, it, it didn't, didn't help. It didn't do anything. And yeah, you came upstairs and during this time, I mean, you know, I've experienced, um, like I said, you know, giving the birth of our, the birth of our second child. Um, we had a son. It was a very spiritual time for me, like very, very spiritual. I mean, I was experiencing a lot of crazy, crazy stuff, but I also experienced the presence of God for the first time, you know, like really the presence of God for the first time in my life. And I was having these conversations like, you know, in my mind and in my heart, like I was getting to know who God really was and God was revealing himself to me. And, and I was seeing God for the first time. So I was like, you know, and the birth was a big deal to me because I remember thinking to myself and praying and saying, God, if you are real, you're going to help me get through this birth and you're going to help me get through this delivery because I had a tough uh, delivery with my first. Um, she was actually a C-section. So we had her by C-section. They rushed me into an emergency C-section with her. And with our second child at 37 weeks or 36 weeks, the doctors told me he had big shoulders and he was a big kid and I was not going to be able to deliver him and that they would have to induce me to deliver him. And so I had to basically refuse that. I said, you know, and again, I had to put my faith in God and say, no, I'm not going to let you guys deliver me. And I didn't go to the hospital until I was in labor. Like yeah. I actually refused to go to the hospital. Like Ryan. And, yeah, and so, yeah, you ended up doing it all naturally, but it was a big spiritual thing for you. And yeah, it was. Know, maybe we'll talk about that specifically. At yeah, some but, point, the, but so the reason why, you know, again, I'm sharing this story before I go into detail about praying for you is. Again, before that, I didn't even think prayers worked. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know who to pray to, but I was slowly getting to know Jesus and right. I was slowly getting to know 
that, you know, that he's power, there's power in the name of Jesus. So again, like I said, I prayed in the name of Jesus with our child. And I said, help me deliver this baby, be present in my delivery room and help me get through this. And, and he, and the presence of Jesus was there and that baby was delivered eight pounds, now nine ounces, a hundred percent natural with no medication. And I was twerking at eight centimeters. Yeah. 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 It's kind of crazy. I was, I was, I was twerking, um, to the baby mama song. Ryan didn't want to dance with me, <laughs> but so when Ryan came upstairs to me and he's desperately begging me to pray for him, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, okay, first of all, um, yes, I've accepted Jesus in my heart. I told Ryan that night after I came back, we came back home after we had the baby. I remember sobbing in the bathroom because I couldn't deny the presence of Christ. Like I just couldn't. And I remember sobbing and saying, I accept you. And I I believe that you are God. And so I accepted Jesus in my heart. I didn't have any sort of public declaration. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I don't even think I told Ryan. It was just like a thing between me and Jesus. I said, I accept you. And, um, yeah, I was just in the bathroom crying, listening to the song Waymaker and saying, you are a miracle worker and you, and you did this. And it's funny because I just pressed whatever, you know, you can shuffle the songs. Yeah. And that song came on in the bathroom as I was accepting Jesus in my heart. So when Ryan came upstairs to me and he's like begging me to pray for him, I, I was very nervous because I've never prayed for someone. When when you and I were together, I've never prayed out loud. Yeah. Remember, you'd yeah. say yeah, pray yeah, for yeah, us. Yeah, you'd never pray. I'd always pray for us. Ryan yeah. always prayed for us. I never prayed out yeah. loud. And, and the thing is, is you know how desperate I was when I, when I had tried everything and I prayed for hours and hours. I was like, I was exhausted and I was like, you were you exhausted. Have to pray for me. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, I remember thinking to myself, okay, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray for him. And again, like I said, I've never prayed out loud for us and I've never prayed out loud for Ryan and for me. And I, and, um, yeah. And, and I was, you know, in that process, you, sorry to interrupt, but I was laying on the floor. Like I wasn't like, you were, you standing were laying up. on the floor. I was like, I crawled up the stairs Yeah. and I was laying on the floor you and were. I said, you have to pray for me. You did. And I was like, okay, I will like it. But I didn't think that I, I didn't think I, I didn't think my prayers could move anything, but I did also think that maybe something could happen, but I didn't, I just was so uncomfortable with it. So anyways, I started praying for him. And as I was, you put your hand on the spot, I said, it's right here. And I said, you have to pray. I did. And I, I just, I was just praying over him and I was just like, tears were just coming out of my face and I felt the presence of Christ. And again, like when you experience the presence of Jesus Christ, when you experience the Holy spirit, it's an undeniable force. It's like an undeniable thing. Like you have tears coming out of your eyes. You don't even know where they're coming yeah. from. And I remember holding you in my arms and like pressing on your kidney. Yeah, you were pressing on the And spot. I was just like praying and just like, just, I'm like, Father God, please heal him. You know, just give us a divine miracle. Like whatever, you, like help us with this pain, help yeah. us. You know, I was just like going in, just trying to pray as, as, you know, intensely as I could possibly pray. And I remember like, I just felt like the sense of like, I don't know. It was just kind of, it felt like, I felt like God's presence was there. And yeah. yeah and I was just laying there initially, just like I said, again, I'll keep on saying in excruciating, debilitating on the floor pain. And as you were praying and this had gone on for hours. So yeah. this isn't a coincidence. Like I crawled up the stairs. It had been going on for hours and she started praying and it was maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute into the prayer. Like I felt this thing come over me and I felt the 
spot where I was just like being stabbed, it faded and it drained from me. It like disappeared like completely. That was the thing that was very interesting is going from the most excruciating pain of your entire existence and then feeling it like disappear. Like I could, I can see it in my mind how it, how it did it. It's like this flashing pain, like mm-hmm. this huge bright pain light, if you want to think about it. And then it just diminished to nothing, to zero-ness. Yeah, which is so crazy. And, and you know, a little bit of context also before this. Um, I don't know who gave you that book, Divine Healing. I think I bought it. You think, okay. No, no, I know I bought it, yeah. Yes. Or, or I thought someone gave uh, it to you. Maybe it was Bridget. I think so, because she gave us, she gave you two books, the spiritual one and then the- Spiritual Warfare. And, and then the one. Divine Healing. I, I, I think I bought the Divine Healing, Oh, actually. okay. But no, he was, so Ryan was reading this book, Divine Healing, and he was reading this book before in the process of all of this, right? Like when he, the pain kind of first started and before it got really intense. Yeah. And he was truly like a hundred percent believed that there is a miracle that could happen. And again, like I said, at this time, I was just coming to know Christ. So for me, I didn't know if a miracle could happen. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I believe in miracles. Like, I don't know if I believe in that, Yeah. you know? And so I didn't believe in miracles, but Ryan believed believed in a miracle. Like when I say he believed in a miracle, that pain went away. He shot up from the floor and he's like, it worked. I think I'm healed. And I well, just, yeah, I was in shock. Cause I was like, it worked. And I stood up and I, and I was like touching myself and I, and this is the thing that only, I mean, I will feel, I guess, but it's like, I had no zero remnant of any pain whatsoever. Like it didn't exist. Yeah. Like, you know, you can be like, Oh, it went away a little bit. No, it was gone. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I going from, like I said, that most excruciating pain of your life to like standing up, looking around, it's completely gone. And then I was like, okay, I mean, that was a miracle. Uh, I felt it. It went through me. You felt it. Okay. I'm going to go to sleep, I guess. Yeah. Like he was just like, it's funny because he literally popped up and he's like, I worked, I'm healed. And I'm like, what? Like, and again, like I said, I was just, I was feeling guilty because I didn't know if I felt like I didn't, I'm like, there's no way that like my prayers could heal anybody. Like, come on. Like I'm some Muslim girl, like just like trying to figure out if Jesus. You weren't a Muslim girl at the time. You were, you were a Christian girl then at that, or a Jesus girl. Yeah. I was a Jesus girl, but I didn't declare it to anybody. I mean, it's kind of like in my heart, you know, but I didn't. So anyways, I was just like, okay, okay. Like if you think you're healed, then like, then let's get some rest again. I was like, you know, not very, but Ryan was like a hundred percent. I'm healed. You know, like, like he's just like, I'm going to bed. Praise Jesus. Like, Oh, it's amazing. Everything's great. I'm like, okay, cool. Like if you believe it, like I'll believe it too. Yeah. But I mean, I didn't just believe I felt it. Yeah. Again, it's, it's nothing anyone else will really experience like, or can feel my experience. But again, think about you just got shot and then all of a sudden you pop up and you're like, I'm fine. Yeah. That's how I felt. That's how he felt. And I, and I was at awe. Like I was like, wow, like something, something happened and I didn't know what happened. And so we went to bed and I don't know how long were we sleeping for like an hour? I, I think I got like an hour, maybe an hour and a half of sleep. And yeah. that, that was a little bit of the dis- disappointment because at about an hour in, it just started building again and I, yeah. you know, and it came back with a vengeance. I mean, about the same pain level as before. Um, and I was like, oh man. And I think I took a bath and I, and I did some stuff. And then I said, okay, try praying for me again. But the interesting thing is, even though I didn't say it, I knew the second time wasn't going to work. Well, I told you the second time. didn't I, I couldn't actually, for some weird reason, I was praying for you the second time. And I was trying to pray as intensely as possible. But I didn't feel like there was 
the Holy Spirit wasn't there. Like well, I just, you, not, I mean, you had a voice tell you. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I exactly, that's why I told you, I said, Ryan, I think you're going to have to go through this because I literally like in the gut of me, like in my gut, I heard the, like the Holy Spirit say, go to bed. He's going to have to go through this. Like he's going to have to and, go through this. And the this funny pain. thing is she literally went to bed and like fell asleep. And, I did. I, I was so like, for some reason, I just remember, like I told you, I said, I don't think this is going to work. I think you're going to have to go through this pain. And you were like, and then you just like looked at me and went in the office and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. Like I didn't even, I don't even know what happened. I actually passed out. I was, maybe I was just freaking exhausted. Yeah, I was just like, exhausted. I just we passed like out. Night, yeah. And then you woke up the next morning again in excruciating pain. So we end up calling his mom to come over and watch the kids at this point. I mean, I think our kid was like maybe a month old, maybe a, two months a handful old. handful of months at most, maybe two. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was freaking stressful. Like yeah. it was the world is coming to an end. People are like, you're going to die from this COVID thing. Yeah. And Ryan is considered high risk because of his kidney disease. And I'm taking him to the hospital while I'm trying to pump before you know, he's oh, in yeah. the shower. I'm trying to pump. So I have milk left, you know, in the, in the freezer for his mom when, while I'm gone. Cause I have no idea how long I'm going to be gone. And we would go to the hospital, um, yeah, and the, ER. the, the emergency and they wouldn't let me in. Yeah. Um, so he would have to go in by himself because of COVID, you know, there was limited people that could be in the, in the, uh, waiting room. So I was in the car just listening to worship music and praying and praying and praying and praying. And, you know, this went on for like a couple of of days. Um, yeah, we went to, I was in the emergency at least a couple times. I tried going like a third time, I think at one point. Yeah. Um, I eventually got uh, some pain meds, but they gave me morphine the first day and that didn't work. No. Um, which it's pretty heavy stuff, but that didn't work. So it was really, it was really bad. Um, I mean, it didn't work at all. I remember yeah. picking you up from the emergency after they just shot you up with morphine and you're still complaining about how much pain you were in. And I just, I couldn't believe it. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, this has got to like, this is just a, this was just an absolute nightmare. Again, like I just had a kid, I'm two months postpartum at this point. Um, again, COVID yeah. has taken over the world. People are apparently dying left and right. Like you turn on the news. This was like a month or two months into the COVID yeah, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you couldn't even leave your house. People weren't even leaving their house. It's yeah. like, and we were, I was actually concerned a little bit. I mean, I had hand sanitizer in the car and I'm like trying to like sanitize him because he's like around all these sick people in the emergency. And, you know, but then at the same time, like I, there was just a, again, the Holy spirit was just like, nah, don't worry yeah, about you know this. What's You're funny fine. About the COVID stuff. I never worried about that. No, I, mean, I didn't. I think there was like little bits in here and there when I would like watch the news for a second that I would get a little bit afraid that, you know, you're, you're vulnerable and you can yeah. die from it. But yeah, then pe people but, are telling me that they're like, Oh, I'm like, you know what? I mean, I got bigger fish frying. You know? I know you're like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die from this thing. But yeah, so it was, it was, it was very um, emotional. I mean, you just yeah. have a baby with this person and they're basically on their deathbed. And I remember calling every single doctor I could call um, at the emergency and at the, the hospital yeah. here. Well, what happened after that though, I mean, after the emergency, multiple emergency room visits, they couldn't do anything. And they took some CTs to see, oh yeah, they took some CTs. That was the other, the other point. So they took a CT mm -hmm. and they were taken forever to look at it. Mm -hmm. And you eventually- um, You were in well, so much pain. Yeah. And, and in that time though, they had, I think I- I don't know if I got pain meds yet or not, but you know, at some point 
I did, but I think it was yeah. after that. But anyway, I was still in excruciating pain and you called the ER and you're like, look, can you just, can someone just look at it CT and see what's yeah. going on? Yeah. No, the crazy thing is like, he was in so much pain, even with all the, I think they gave you oxycodone or something yeah. like that. He, like he couldn't even feed himself. Like he was literally laying on the ground and I have a baby attached to me. Like I'm breastfeeding a baby while I'm feeding my husband yeah. who's literally screaming and crying on the floor while my okay, I don't one know if I was screaming and crying. No, was pretty, while, while, while my one and a half year yeah. old, you know, kid is just like, what's going, I mean, it was really sad because she, anybody that came in the house, she would say, daddy's sick, daddy's yeah. sick. And it was breaking my heart. Like, man, I was just like, the worst things were going through my head. Like, oh my goodness, if Ryan passes away, what am I going to tell the kids? Yeah, and and that, well, that was also a big spiritual thing for you because, you know, you, you were kept on thinking like, what if he dies? What if he dies? What and am I going to do? And you know, the crazy thing is like this whole, this whole thing was a spiritual thing for me because because for my whole life, I mean, since I've known you, I met you when I was 18 years old, like you were kind of my like person and you were my support system. And I always went to you in like all sorts of situations. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, it's like, I'm alone and I have to take care of him, our children, he, something might happen to him. And I was freaking out and I had no support system to go to, right? Like, am I going to go to the, to Ryan and, and tell him my feelings about how I'm afraid he's going to die when like, like that's not what he wants to hear. Right. So for me, it was, it was like, I needed, it brought me closer to Jesus because I had to pray. I had to put my faith in God and I, and I had to just put my faith in God and say, give me the strength to deal with this season. Give me the strength. If Ryan was to pass away, help me through that and be my rock in this. And I remember for the first time in my life, I took away the, the, the pressure, not even the pressure, but all of the expectations I put on you yeah. to be my, my comforter and my peace and my rock and my foundation, I had to take that away because you couldn't provide that for me. Mm -hmm. And you were fragile and vulnerable and, and you couldn't provide that. So I had to go find and build that relationship with Jesus. Right. And in that time, that's what I did. Every single night I was praying over him. I was praying you know, for him to be healed. And I would call doctors, like literally I was calling every single person, um, every kidney specialist, every person in this area trying to see what we can do. And, and I ended up calling the emergency and we were debating whether or not, um, you know, we should go to the emergency that night. Cause you were in so much pain yeah. and, and it kind of felt really depressing. Like, honestly, like, like thinking about it now gives me a little bit of a, you know, Oh, it gives me chills because it almost kind of felt like a, f a funeral. I mean, you were at home and you wanted the comfort of your family and everybody around you to be here. Yeah. And I, and, and he finds a lot of comfort in his family and he's very close to his brothers. And, and to be honest, I wanted them here because it took a little bit of pressure off of me. Um, and I could just like step away for a second because I didn't know how to comfort you. Mm -hmm. And, and you were just laying on the couch and your brothers were just surrounded and I would come downstairs for a split second and it felt like I was at a funeral. That's how I felt. Like it felt really like I was like, this is it. And so in my mind in that moment, it's like I had to confront like death, my fears of you dying and, and pray for Jesus to give me some sort of peace in that moment. And um, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to make you um, emotional. I love you. But that that that's that's how I felt in that moment. So I went upstairs while Ryan was downstairs and he was um, 
talking to everybody or just laying there. And I called the doctors and I asked, I called the emergency. I said, you know, we were here this morning. Um, and well, I think it was last night the night or the before. night before. And I'm like, and we had a CT scan and I'm like, I really, I know that you can't do anything for me, but can you please just tell me? And I, and I was praying like before I called the, the, the doctors and the ER and I said, can you just please tell me what was on the CT scan? What, what did you see? Like, give us any sort of information because my husband is in excruciating pain and you were and still I, and peeing I was still, blood. I was peeing tons of blood. Yeah. You were still peeing blood. And I, and I was just like, please, like no matter, like just anything. And he goes, okay, well, I'm not supposed to do this. You know, mm. like you're supposed to come in and I would highly recommend that you come in. And I'm like, we've been there three times, like in the last 48 hours, just please tell me what's on the CT scan. And so then he tells me, you know, so it looks like there's a huge blood clot on the left side of his kidney. And I was like, okay, okay. And then he's like, yeah, so, um, yeah, there, there you have it. I mean, we can see him come back, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, great. Like, this is great information. So got off the phone with him, called another doctor. And then that's when that one doctor was trying to drain it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll jump back to kind of my brother's thing. I, I remember you calling them or me calling them. And I, I, you know, I didn't think I, I didn't really, f I thought that I might die, but I didn't think I was going to die. Yeah. I remember talking to my mom. She's like, you're not going to die. And I'm like, mom, I don't know. I'm peeing a lot of blood and this is really painful and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and the doctors always say, well, it looks like, you know, sometimes when you pee blood, it looks like a lot more than it is. Like, I'm like, I measured it. It's a lot. It was a it, lot. It and, was a uh, lot. And I think that, uh, yeah, it was a lot. And so anyway, with my brothers there, you know, I really did kind of at, at a point say like, you know, I want everyone around me. I was like, this might yeah. be it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after calling them, you know, they said like, there's a huge blood clot yeah. and it was huge. Yeah. And I, and you know, they were like, okay, maybe we can try and drain these things or mm -hmm. something. And I, I, I had done my research and I was like, this probably isn't going to work, but I'll, I'll play ball. And, you know, every day I was peeing blood and, uh, but ended up going in and, you know, this is this, this, uh, surgeon who's done like hundreds of kidney transplants, tons and tons yeah. of them and really versed in it. And he's like, and so I'm sitting there on the table and they start putting these needles in me and drawing stuff out. And, you know, the first side they got some and it was like, you know, again, graphic, but tons of blood. And then they go to the other side and it's, they just can't get anything out because it's like, this is like a huge clot. Like it's hard. Yeah. And, you know, I remember just asking him, this guy was like deadpan, great, you know, funny guy, but didn't say much, but you know, real old guy, maybe like 70 something He's been doing this his whole life. And I'm like, so, uh, you know, for PKD, is this normal to have this much blood? He's like, Nope, it's not. And I'm like, <laughs> straight up. Okay. Like, like, okay. And he's like, well, we're going to have to figure something out because this isn't working. And, and, you know, so I was peeing blood for months, like months, not like yeah. days, months, months and a lot for a months. lot of blood. Yeah. And at, at that point, like, like, forget the pain. It was like, how could we stop the bleeding? Yeah. Like it was so much blood that like all we were just like, all praying for was how to stop the bleeding. I mean, he just like, he was like white, like you looked very yeah, pale. My, my numbers were low too, as it, it was just kind of bleeding out slowly. Yeah. Um, and you know, it actually took several months for them, you know, how'd we end up going? I, I told him, I told the doctor after he couldn't do it, I said, look, I need someone to do this laparoscopic approach. I've done some research on it. Yeah. There's a guy in Seattle that'll do it. And he's like, well, we might have someone here 
let me ask around. And so it took a handful of days and he asked around and someone, you know, at OHSU decided, Hey, but that's an interesting story because everybody refused me. I've called, I called every kidney specialist there and they said that they wouldn't do it because that's not a surgery that they do for PKD patients. And that was the other thing. Like I said, I, I was not putting my faith in the doctors. I was putting my faith in God. And I was praying to God that God uses someone to heal you in that time frame, And again, like I said, I talked to every single kidney specialist and nobody wanted to take yeah, it this, on. This surgery is very, I don't, I don't want to say cutting edge, but kind of cutting edge. You, yeah. It's a real risk. It's not recommended. It's something that they don't typically do. Yeah. But when you're bleeding profusely, continuously, which is something that, you know, I actually asked that first uh, nephrologist, mm-hmm. like, could these burst? It's really funny. I don't know if you remember, I said, could yeah. these like pop or burst and yeah. bleed out? Yeah. And it's like, no, no, no that can, that doesn't happen. That guy was on vacation uh, mode. He yeah, was he was on vacation there. mode. But that is what happened. That's exactly what happened. And, yeah. you know, the funny thing is if I had been taking ibuprofen or you know, and I didn't take ibuprofen because I wasn't supposed to, I probably would have bled out. Yeah. Um, and I did at times take ibuprofen. I took a little bit because I was in so much pain Fish that pain. I needed even more on top of stuff. Yeah. And I think that actually probably made it a little bit worse, worse. at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, you called around and and, and uh, then we pushed this guy and said, you know, if, if well, I, I stumbled upon this guy, actually. And he was like, well, that was a guy in Seattle. But this other guy. Oh, yeah. The one in here OHSU, in Oregon. At OHSU. He, he took it up and he said he would he would do it. Yeah. Um, so I called him and I said, you know, I gave him the, the rundown. And um, and so he was actually familiar with the lap, lap, how do you say it? Laparoscopic. Um, surgeries because apparently he was doing them for pa- can- uh, cancer. cancer patients. Yeah. So I called him and I said, you know, like my husband has been looking into this. He has PKD. He's been bleeding for months now. Um, I know that no, like, and this is the other devastating thing about this whole process is literally we were being sent back home every single time and so they would tell us there was nothing that they could do every single yeah. time. Nothing they could it do. Just like, the we'll only more, thing that they would drugs. offer is more drugs, more drugs, more drugs. And at one point I was like, this is kind of getting really intense. Like he re- like you were almost relying on the drugs because you were in so much pain that it gave you a little bit of sense of relief when you, yeah. when you took them. Well, so I had I, to, if I didn't, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm just doing it. Cause I, I, it's a little bit, it's I mean, like, you no, couldn't even hold the kids. It was yeah. so painful. Like you were just laying, like you were just laying there the whole time. So I, I called this guy and I, I basically begged him to do it. And so he, he goes, you know, let me talk, uh, let me think about it or something and let me get back to you. And, you know, we can schedule a zoom call. And he said, or did we, did you end up scheduling? I, I did. I ended up zooming with him. It was, it was quite brief. I mean, he was a real matter of fact, Yeah. you know, like, okay, we're going to do this. I see what's going on here, you know, and I'll go in and I'll, and I'll do it. Um, and so, yeah, so we had that scheduled, I think in August sometime. And it, it's funny, I, I was taking meetings, you know, from home. I told, I told, uh, uh, one of my colleagues, I was like, yeah. I'm, and he knew about the situation. And after a call, I'm like, yeah, I'm on the floor in pain, listening to this conference call. Like I know. It, 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 and you know, and the pandemic thing was probably a little bit useful because I could do this all from home. And, but if people knew what was going on behind the scenes, I mean, and some, some people did, but it was a, extremely painful. Um, but anyway, we got that scheduled. Um, and it was just kind of an interesting thing because it was really difficult to get to that point. And really I was pretty stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I wasn't in, in such excruciating pain, I probably would have just been like, oh, I don't want to yeah, do this. You were going like, to put it off for as long as off, possible. Yeah. Um, but it ended up getting scheduled. Um, and I just remember, you know, beforehand I was actually not super worried, but I was like, I wasn't really worried about the surgery. I was worried about just like going under and just like 
am I going to wake up? You know? Yeah. And, and, I, and obviously these guys know what they're doing. It's just a kidney sort of thing. But I was like, you really kind of confronted your mortality. And I, I had over those months. Yeah. Um, and again, nothing, it was during the whole pandemic COVID thing, but it had nothing to do with that. It was all about like, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is serious. Um, but yeah, so we got that. Yeah, we scheduled. ended up scheduling it and, um, yeah, we, we, I drove him to the hospital. I mean, they had the whole entire thing that you had to do before the surgery. I think for me that the kind of scary part of it was just like, I hope that he doesn't F something up and accidentally like cut something mm-hmm. or do, I mean, the guy's never done this surgery on a kid, on a, on a PKD patient, yeah, P- on a kid, yeah. on a kidney. He did it on. Um, you can do cancer and cancer. You're kind of like cutting around things and it's like this one cancer or this one tumor, like one whatever, tumor yeah. maybe a couple, but you know, for PKD, it's like a minefield. Yeah. It's and like it's a very tons. intricate, like, yeah. you know, you have to, it's a, an intricate process and it's a very delicate process because right. you have multiple cysts and then you have your, your blood veins, your blood vessels yeah. on your kidneys and all sorts of other. And then also just the nephrons and you don't want to damage the kidney yeah. more than you have to. And, you know, it was, they did it with this robot, like this robotic controlled, you know, remote sort of controlled system. I mean, I saw it, it was fascinating. There were tons of people in there. They're all, so it was a really major operation. Yeah. Um, So yeah, yeah. it was pretty crazy. I mean, I took him in and I, I mean, I pretty much begged the lady. I was like, I was begging everybody at this point. I'm like, God bless you. You don't know how much this means. Like I was really just like on the phone every day, just like praying and just hoping someone would just like, you know, God, I'm like, God, use any of these people to, to heal him and to just to do something divine for him. And so, yeah, I mean, they let me into the quote unquote building. Thank goodness. (laughs) I was like, just let me in the building. So they let me in the building and, um, yeah, he went into the room and they gave you this piece of paper and it was just like the weirdest thing ever. Like I just, I've never experienced something like that. It was like, they give you this piece of paper. They have a TV on the wall in the waiting room. And on the, on the waiting room, they give you a number. Your number was 492. And so you look at the TV and you're like, okay, 492, he's still, you know, they'll say when they put you under and they'll say when the surgery started. And so it tells you the whole process. And I remember sitting at this chair and, um, and just like, I was just emotional. Like I was just waiting for his light to turn green, like as a go, like he's in the surgery operating room and it says right there operating on the operating table. And I'm like, whew, like I was just like, you know, really nervous. And so I'm staring at the number, staring at the TV, staring at the number, staring at the TV, praying, praying intensely, intensely, like God, like use this doctor, lead him in, in whatever way you can lead him. Um, just, I'm, I'm like, just use this man to to do your work for you. And I'm just sitting there praying. I couldn't get up. I really couldn't get up. And I was sitting in that chair for an hour, just like, just, I couldn't move. Um, so eventually they, you know, his light turned green and he was on the operating table and I'm like so nervous. I was, yeah, I think it took several hours. It did. And the, the girl there kept saying, you know, if you want to get coffee or anything, you know, you can go downstairs and you know, you can get coffee or water. And, and I'm just thinking in the back of my mind about the kids because I have a two month old at home. I need to get back to, does he have enough milk? Like, you know, and at the time he only breastfed. So there was no formula that I could give him. And so anyways, um, I think the surgery was supposed to be like, what, eight or... I mean, it depended on how things went, but I, I want to say it ended up like three or four hours or they something. They quoted us eight hours or something well, it like could that? have been up to eight hours, but I think that 
it what only took like three, four hours because he didn't remove a ton of cysts. He basically went after the major blood clots and the major mm-hmm. bleeding and, and yeah. And they, he was supposed to spend the night at the hospital that night. So I was, you know, your mom was getting ready to spend the night at the house with the kids so that I can kind of, you know, be at the hospital with you as you spend the night there. And the surgery I think was like 8, 8 AM or something. We yeah, went it there. Early. It was pretty early. And anyway, so I eventually go get coffee and then I'm driving and praying and driving around and just, I end up coming home and I come home and I'm at home for like maybe two or three hours at the time. And I'm I'm talking to your mom and we're just kind of like talking and just kind of like just talking about God and, and all sorts of things. And, you know, your mom's reassuring me, everything's going to be okay. And I'm just like, I'm like, Oh, Ryan's not around. So I could really cry, you know, like, mm-hmm. I could really go into town. And then I get a, I get a phone call from the hospital and I'm like, my heart drops. Like what could have happened? Like, why are they calling me? They still have four hours mm-hmm. left on the surgery. And I, and I get a phone call. And the first thing that the guy says to me is it's done. And I'm like, excuse me, sorry, who's this? He goes, is this, is Miss Jensen? And I'm like, yep this is her. And he's like, it's done. Your husband is ready. I'm like, okay. Um, and he goes, you can pick him up today. He did really good. The surgery went great. I was able to remove 36 cysts and, um, all the major blood clots and everything's perfect. He looks good. He can come home. And I'm like, okay, I'm coming to get him. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's really funny that when you told me, it's like the first thing he said is it is done. That's the (laughs) first thing he said to me. Like I literally answered the phone. He didn't say, hi, how are you? can I talk to this person? Absolutely not. He called me and he said, it is done. And I just, my heart sank and I just could not believe it. And I was freaking out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got back in the car and I'm like rushing back to get to the hospital. And, um, yeah, I was like, thank you so much. Thank you for yeah. doing that. Well, the funny thing is you never saw him. And the other funny thing is I never saw him. I know. That was the other so, thing I was going to get to. Yeah. I never saw him at all. I've never met the doctor. I've never yeah. met the guy. I met him post and I met him on the Zoom. But during the thing, I went under and hadn't seen him. And then I woke up and didn't see him. And Yeah. he just, was, Yeah. And it's so funny because I think at one point, like my sister was freaking out. Like, okay, like what's this guy's credentials? And like, is he like the best surgeon? Is he going to da 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 da? And I'm just looking at her like, I don't care about this guy's credentials. Like God is going to do his work. Like I didn't put my faith in him. I put my faith in God again. Like it's very important that he knew what the heck he was doing. Of course I cared to a certain extent, but I also was like at the moment, like for some reason, the whole process, I didn't really care about the doctor. I didn't, she's like, did you guys see him? Did you meet him? I'm like, no. And my family thought I was crazy. They actually were like freaking out because they were like, how could you literally get, the surgery that's invasive, invasive to a certain extent. And Ryan had to sign paperwork. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they made him sign paperwork that said that he could die. <laughs> yeah. And one of the risks was death. <laughs> I was I like, know. okay. You're like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. So I go to the hospital and I go to pick up Ryan. It's funny. The lady goes, oh, what's the last name? And I'm like, Jensen, she's typing it in. And she's like, I don't see him on here. And I'm like, what? And I was like, can you try again? And she's like, keeps typing in the name. And she's like, Ryan Jensen, like, we don't have a patient named Ryan Jensen. I'm like, okay, so you lost my husband. (laughs) I was like, what the heck? Can you go find him? Um, And then as I'm standing there, like freaking out, like, why is this woman not freaking like, where's Ryan? Is he even awake? Like, is he out of, you know, the anesthesia? What, how do you say that? 
and I was just freaking out. She couldn't find my husband. They literally apparently lost him. I get a Snapchat message from Ryan. And so then I'm like frantically trying yeah. to open the Snapchat. And Ryan <laughs> is such a clown. Even on his deathbed, he's clowning me. And he sends me a Snapchat that says, I'm alive. I think I said not dead. Oh, you did. Like, you <laughs> did. I think I took a screenshot of it. You sent me a Snapchat that said not dead. And he looked like he literally got ran over by a bus. Like his face is swollen and he's like has one eye open. And I'm just like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And so eventually I, she found him and she's like, oh, I found him. And, um, you know, you can come you can come and see him. So I went in the room to go see him. And yeah, I mean, you were you did great for like. Yeah, I, I, it didn't take me much after standing after waking up to like stand up and start walking around. It only took maybe half an hour actually. Or yeah. So. And we were coming back home and we we're driving and he's like, I really want Gatorade. I'm like, whatever mm-hmm. you want, babe, whatever you want, <laughs> I'll give you whatever you want. So yeah, I mean, and he came home and you know, you were laughing and you were happy and you know, it, it, the bleeding stopped. You weren't really yeah, bleeding. I wasn't bleeding anymore. You know? Yeah. And you know, we just kind of slowly went back into our normal life. I mean, you were picking up the kids and being all yeah. normal where, you know, for the last three months, like he couldn't even pick up our son. Like he couldn't even hold him because yeah. he just was in so much pain. You know, he just, I'm like, Isaiah, meet your dad for the first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was so funny. Um, just like I said, the call that I had with the doctor of him just telling me it is done. You know, it was it again, like I didn't, and that was a very small like I, I wouldn't say a very small thing, but it was a very big and meaningful thing for him to call me. And the first thing he says is it is done. And I yeah. remember just those words just brought me to tears. And I just was like, so, and just, again, like I just praying so intensely, it just, it gave me shivers and it just was like, wow, God had a hand in this. Like there was, there was no doubt that God like yeah. wasn't in, in that. Yeah. And, you know, kind of recapping, you know, the, you know, and that, that's kind of like this medical sort of thing with a surgeon. And then the before thing, which is incredibly miraculous to me was when you prayed for me and, and, and that, that was a miracle of miracles. And I think that, you know, when you read about miracles in the Bible or you hear about them in, especially if you hear about them, you're like, Oh, this person had cancer and then they don't or this or that, you know, it's always someone else and you never yeah. really experience it yourself. Yeah. And so you're always a little unsure. You're always like, does it does really, it really happen? happen? And so, you know, throughout all the stuff we've gone through in our life and there's been tons of other things, other things we'll talk about too. But when it comes to miracles, you know, that's going to be a pivotal point in my kind of growth is feeling that mm-hmm. feeling the Holy Spirit or God or whatever power that was move through you and through me and have that impact. It was real. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, none whatsoever. Yeah. For others out there listening, they're going to be like, Oh, that's interesting. Or, you yeah. know, or yeah, maybe it was something else or maybe something changed all of a sudden. But you know, this thing about your, when you have a relationship with God and you really do have a relationship and you go through life with God, you're going to see things like miracles. Mm-hmm. You're going to experience things like miracles. Yeah. You're going to experience other things too. You're going to experience attacks and spiritual yeah. warfare. And we'll talk about those things that we've experienced. You're going to experience joy. You're going to experience like the Sadness. experience you had with Isaiah. Yeah. Um, you're going to, you're going to have all sorts of things go on. And, and it's about that relationship and it's about that journey. And I think with this concept of miracles, you know, 
we were talking about it today and why we kind of jumped on this is where we started this podcast was uh, about what we heard about in church today. And, you know, they were talking about miracles and they were talking about healing. And it's yeah. one of those mysterious things that you want to believe but you don't know how to believe. Yeah. And you start reading through the miracles in the Bible. You start reading about all Jesus miracles and, you know, the, the things that the, you know, um, the things that he did for people and how their faith is what he always pointed to as an mm-hmm. important component to that. But then you, and you hear about people in the church today, you know, where people are healed and yeah. it does happen and you know it's always over there and maybe sometimes you're skeptical but then it does happen yeah but then other times it doesn't happen like sometimes you'll have everyone praying and you'll have thousands of people or hundreds of people and someone will still die or some kid will still die and so yeah. we were just talking about that and it's like yeah what is it what is the and i think yeah sorry what, go ahead. what is the thing that you know makes a difference why was it that you were able to literally put your hands on me, pray, and something happened. Why Why in that moment did God say, I'm going to show you something? And that was a big thing. It was showing us something, and it showed me something, and it showed you something. Yeah, and I think a lot of the times, I have two things to say. I think for me today, you know, the experience that the reason why I feel like we should just talk about this was because it wasn't really what I heard at church today. It was what I felt at church yeah, today. Yeah, it's good. And, and I think for me, it's like, you know, it, I really felt the presence of the Holy spirit today. I really fe- felt the presence of God. And, um, and I just, I'm going to talk a little bit about just the experience today at church. So yeah, like Ryan said today, they're just, he was talking about miracles and miracles happening for people, right? People having infertility issues and then, you know, not, you know, having a baby or people having cancer and being healed or, you know, all sorts of things. And he was talking about the fact that miracles happen. God is alive and he's working and he's in the midst of the world and miracles do happen. And, you know, he, he said something like if anybody has any sort of healing or something that they're praying for, raise your hand. And typically I wouldn't tell Ryan to raise his hand for his P- his PKD, right? Not, not because I don't want to embarrass him, maybe a little bit, but because I don't, I'm like, someone else is in here. They probably have a worse situation than you. And I don't want to make a scene of your PKD and you know, you, you'll live like, you're fine. You're not going to die. If you need a kidney, I'll give you my kidney. Like just, there was just something prompting me to just be like, raise your hand. And Ryan's like, huh? I'm like, raise your hand higher. Like, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, cause he's like, we are going to pray for you. We're going to pray for everybody in this room that needs some sort of divine, you know, healing. And I just felt like, Ryan should raise his hand. I'm like, I feel something today. I feel something that's in this room, in this building. Like I feel the presence of God. So Ryan raised his hand and, 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 um, the pastor was praying over, um, over the people who, who raised their hand and Ryan can tell this part better. There was a woman sitting behind us at church today. Um, random person. We have no idea who she is. And she asked Ryan, um, can I pray for you? Um, I didn't hear what she was saying. I yeah, was, she just asked if she could pray for me. And she said, you know, she saw me raise my hand and she felt compelled and to tell me something and to pray. And so she prayed for me. You know, she said, something's going to happen for you this week. And, you know, just listen to God and, and, uh, something's going to happen. And she just prayed for me and, and it was, it was great. I mean, I mean, I was, I always hate to admit when I'm crying, but you know, I was crying and I felt 
like, okay, this is, this is interesting. And, yeah. I, and, you know, there's, there's honestly a certain level of skepticism, but all these things were coming together and, and I was like, okay, let's see what happens. And then there was another part where, you know, um, like you said, he, he had prayed for us and then, you know, we were worshiping and the music came on and, and, uh, there's this song that just, you know, this one song that has always come on for you that. Yeah. And it was a one song. It was the first song, the worship, it was the first worship song that I ever heard in church. So the first time that I went to church after being, you know, not kind of just deciding to step away from Islam and like exploring my, you know, the, Christ. It was the first song that I heard and the song is called Waymaker. And in the song it goes, you are the way maker, uh, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. I can't sing, but you know, you get the point. And so, and that, and that song has, has, that was the first song that I got moved like, right. So I was at church and I heard the song for the first time and I was really truly seeking God. Like I was like seeking Jesus. I was like, you know, again, another experience that I had of God just me experiencing the Holy Spirit was in that that day in that church um, while I was pregnant with Isaiah, and we'll get to the story of of that at some point. But um, and that song just made me emotional. And when Ryan was sick, and when he was going through all that stuff, every single time yeah, I would driving. driving to the emergency, and I would take him to the emergency every time that song would just be on on the radio. Um, and I wouldn't I think, even... I think when you took me to the surgery too, it came on. It did. I took him to the surgery and I remember, were we, were we together in the car when it came on? I, I think don't so. Remember. I think we were yeah. driving to... I the... think we're driving and it came on in the car. And even when I was going to driving to pick him up, it's like, they don't play that song very often on repeat like that. But like when I need to hear, you know, when I need to hear that God is is going to show up or when I know God's going to show up or when God, when God is going to show up, that song comes on. And that's just like the song. Like, it's just like, I don't want to say the sign, but it's just kind of like, the, it's just the song. And, um, that, yeah, that, that confirms things for me. And so, like I said, I was, um, we're right. You know, this woman was praying over Ryan and I actually didn't even know who she was. I just thought it was one of the prayer, you know, the, the prayer team at church that saw him raising his hand and came and prayed over him or something. I didn't know she was a different, a different person and like just a, a normal random person. And I was telling Ryan, I'm like, that's, that's something special because someone was moved, you know, the Holy spirit moved someone and sent that person to come tell you something mm -hmm. and to pray for you. So it's not that this person, just random person. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm on the prayer team. I'm walking around church praying for people that need prayer. No, it was the Holy spirit did something in her and you raising your hand, it convicted her. And she went out of her way and said, Hey, excuse me, can I pray for you? I have something to tell you. And that's a very powerful thing. Again, very powerful thing. And so the combination of things, and as soon as she finished praying for him and he finished praying, you know, the, the pastor finished praying, you know, he gets back up and he goes, you know, let's start worshiping and let's play the song and let's start worshiping. And they play that song and they don't play that song very often. Mm -mm. They don't play that song at all. <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, not at all, I think but it's like been months and months and months and months. But yeah, since I played it's that. just not, the, it's not really like a on repeat song. It's very, it's a very kind of. Like I said, it's very rare for that song to come on. And and so 
you know, the song started playing and immediately in my mind and in my heart, I felt this jolt of energy. Like, I don't even know what it was. Like, I just wanted to scream. It's done. It's done. You're healed. Like God has healed you. Like there's a divine miracle that happened today. Like it's happening. And I just, I looked at Ryan and I was like, the song, the song, the song came on and he's like, yeah. And I just started crying. Like I couldn't even like help myself. I just, I, and again, like for me, it's like, I don't want to, I, it's very difficult. Like, you know, like you said, it's like, yeah, you so, think that like miracles are not possible, but well, like, well, you, you, you know, miracles are possible Yeah. That when we're talking yeah, yeah, about it. Right. And so this is where, this is, this is actually where we are but now. But you don't think it could happen to you. Yeah. You don't think it could happen to you or you don't think God really cares to do it or it's not that important. And so that's where we are now. That's why we kind of were upstairs discussing what we're discussing right now. And we just told you the story of the background and that's where we're at. Yeah, we're like at, you we know, literally, it's like 11 p.m. and like we're like still on this high from the the day, still on the high of just what we experienced today because it is that real. Sometimes you go through something and like you feel the presence of God and it's it's real. It's like you felt it, you know, you felt it, you know, something happened, and you know, and so we were just discussing that. And again, we don't have all the answers. We don't know. We're just talking about different stories in the Bible and just kind of sharing, you know, what we were thinking. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just record a podcast talking about this because, you know, why not? And I guess one of the things that we're talking about is just the 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 process of healing. Like yeah. for me, the thing that I was telling Ryan is, it's like I'm not questioning whether God can do this or not. Jesus can raise, the, you know, the dead a hundred percent. I know he can probably heal your kidneys, right? Well, I he, mean, of course he can. I mean, of course he can. But the thing is, I don't feel like I'm worthy or we're worthy of that. Like we're just, it's just like whatever is in God's plan will happen. But for me, it's just like, that is just seems too good to be true. Like, like us, like just ordinary people, like really like, yeah, I, I, you know, and I think, you know, there's that aspect of it, but there's also the aspect of, like I said, the confusion about when some things happen, when some things don't happen, is it faith? Is it something? Is it what? And it's like, God has this sovereignty and he has, you know, knowledge of all these things. And, you know, you're, you read different verses in the Bible and it talks about, you know, having faith and believing things in prayer and, you know, this will come about. And, and, and it's like, you believe that, but you don't at the same time, you know, even the stuff we've experienced, you believe that and you don't at the same time, not because God's not capable. We know, I mean, you can all, all of us can imagine whether you're religious or not, that if there's a God almighty that created all things, then he can do all things. Right. Yeah. But you never think it happens to you. Yeah. And you don't and if and even if you do think it happens to you, you don't know when it will happen to you or yeah. why it will happen to you or am I worthy of it happening to me? And there's it's you know, we've grown a lot spiritually over the years, a lot, like um in so many different ways, from just knowledge to understanding spiritual warfare to understanding you know, love and how to interact with people and how to be patient and kind and how to be more like Jesus. We've learned a lot of things. Um, but some of the, one, some of the biggest mysteries in modern day, at least for me is, you know, this idea of healing. It's, yeah. it's, a uh, it's mysterious because in the Bible, it seems so simple. Mm-hmm. It's like, just have a little bit of faith. Yeah. I mean, the but faith in, of a mustard seed, right, they say. Yeah. yeah. And in practice, it happens. We've seen it happen. We've experienced it ourselves. Yeah. 
but it also doesn't happen. Yeah. And we've seen that and experienced it in and, different and, ways. And yeah. I mean, there's people out there who have experienced that, right? It's like you have a parent who, you know, is going through something or maybe they have cancer or this or that, and you're praying for them and, and you know, they end up passing away and it doesn't work. And then you see other people who tell their stories of my cancer went away and I was healed, you know, my blindness or my deaf, you know, I was deaf and I was healed. And, you know, you hear all of these stories, but you just kind of like, yeah, you're trying to, you're trying to make heads and tells of it because it, it, at the crux of our existence or at the core of what we're saying is we want that miracle and yeah. that miracle does come, but that timing of that is sometimes not the time that we want. Sometimes people pass away in this world and they go into the next, you know, the afterlife sort of thing. But in the end, you know, as we discussed today, it's like, the focus is on the resurrection, right? That's that's yeah. the end game. But this mysterious portion of the in-between when, you know, some some prayers are heard concerning miracles and healing and some seemingly aren't heard or maybe there's some other thing going on that we just don't understand. Um, it's a mystery. Yeah, and I think the, the, the thing is, the interesting thing about that is based on just the experiences that we've had and the different miracles, you know, or the different... Yeah, the different miracles we've experienced. I mean, we're not, we haven't told you guys all of our stories, but the one thing that I learned in all of that is there's a certain level of submission that you have to do in letting go. So for me, I would say that even watching Ryan go through what he went through, I had to let go of being so afraid of him dying. And that was a very excruciating pain for me. I mean, Ryan is describing like the physical excruciating pain that he went to, but like I haven't even gone into depth about the spiritual and emotional excruciating pain because Ryan is like, was again, like I don't, he was every, I mean, I met him when I was 18. He was my support system and all of my. Well, 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 yeah. But the thing that you're kind of getting at though is, and the thing that I always kind of told you was, you need Jesus. Like I yeah. remember even early on in our relationship it was like, no, my happiness comes from you. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that burden. I'm like, I ain't going to make you happy all the time. I'm not going to provide you joy. And I said, you know, it needs to come from Jesus. That's where it needs to come from. And I remember telling you that early on and even towards the end there, you know, I, I think probably at times I got a little frustrated with you. Maybe, maybe I didn't vocalize it outwardly, but maybe inwardly to where like I might die I know. Okay? And, you and, need I, to, and, and you when need you to said that, up. I would always cry and I would be yeah, like, I was no, like, you need like to get I okay couldn't deal with that. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with Ryan. Like even before we experienced any of this, him jokingly saying he's going to die would like legit, like yeah, make me super emotional. And I'd be like, you were scared. I was very terrified. I wasn't scared. I was terrified of you dying. And I was terrified. Like I would literally be like, if you die, then what am I going to do? Where am I going to, what am I going to, like, I was, I would get like really dark in that, mm-hmm. in that sense, because it, in my mind, I'm like, well, if he dies, then I might as well die too. Like, what am I, yeah, you know? And here's here's the funny kind of weird logic on that, you know, and I've always, you know, had this kind of thing with God where it's like, if, if you need to run me through like pain and suffering to teach someone else or to bring someone to you, like if, if for example, I had to go through that suffering, say that pain again for an yeah. entire year, but I knew that say one of your siblings would come to Jesus and yeah. would be saved. I would take it. Yeah. And, and you know, I would take it. And you would take it. And the funny thing is, is that process for that process of pain for me 
leveled you up in your oh yeah leveled me up to the next like I was leveled up in another level like I was taking care of the kids by myself I was I I essentially was by myself but you also got okay with with relying on Jesus and not me and not you and that's the thing that is tricky sometimes too mm -hmm. because I could have said in that moment and I did trust me plenty of times Jesus heal me this is really really effing painful yeah and you know, he gave me a taste of that. He really did. Um, but at the same time, you would have never learned what you needed. Maybe, maybe at some point, but you wouldn't have let go and clint and clutched on to Jesus. You would have just held yeah. on to me as your safety blanket. I would have. I would have. And you wouldn't have gotten spiritually, you know, refined if you were edified or whatever you yeah. want to call it. And so sometimes, someone suffering. You know, and this isn't always the case, but I feel like, you know, in a lot of things, even with the business stuff I was doing, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, you'd always tell me like, you're going through this pain because of me, because I'm stubborn or because I'm not. I a hundred percent, I will still say that to this day. There's a lot of stuff that you went through because of me. And even the experience of you just going through that excruciating pain, like I said, for the first time in my life, I mean, Ryan was the strong one. It's like, I'm always the one getting, you know, oh, I'm her. And like, he's always there for me. Like it just like never in my mind, like I was like, if he, if even after we had like, I just, I was like, I don't think I could even be a good parent if like you die. Like, I don't think. Yeah, you had so much I doubt. I had so yeah. much doubt and so I, much. I, I would always joke. I was like, I have life insurance, baby. You'll be fine. And you got so mad at me. Yeah, because, <laughs> for, because I mean, for me, it's yeah. like, you're like my, the biggest emotional support that I ever had. So it's like, I don't care about the money. If you're gone, like, I don't want to be here either. Yeah, and I, and I that. truly like, that was like my thing. And so and, watching, and, I, would, and I would get mad at you because I was like, did. we have children. Like, yeah, you would be like, up, like toughen up. Yeah, don't say up and that. Like, and me saying that would piss you off. Yeah. But that's how I felt. And now for the first time in my life, like you weren't dead, like you were still alive right before my eyes. But it was almost like you were, I, I was watching you kind of like going through this painful process where you could die from this. And I was not okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I had to get okay with it. And I remember that I thought to myself at one point, like whenever I dropped you off at the, at the hospital that day and I was like paralyzed sitting on that chair, I had to submit to God and I had to submit myself to him and and tell myself like he is in your hands. And I remember thinking to myself, like I was crying and sobbing in the car. And I remember like the Holy spirit telling me that he, he doesn't belong to you. He's mine. And I remember thinking to myself, like, what? And and it was like God telling me, like, he's mine. Like, whatever happens to him, like, he's mine. Like, you know, you get to, in, you get to have him here on this earth, but he's eventually going to come to me. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, huh, like, the fact that I thought, like, I could love you more than God loves you. And like, it was just this weird emotional, like, spiritual process that I had to go through that brought me closer to God and made me okay with, you know, life if you were to pass away mm-hmm. or if life, if anybody were to pass away, like, right. and it, and it made me okay with death in a weird way where of course, if you passed away, I would still miss you. I would still mm-hmm. love you, but I knew where you were going and I knew who you were going to go be with. And so for some weird reason, knowing who you were going to go be with, knowing where you were going to go and, and just, putting my faith and my, my making someone else, the, the cornerstone of my building essentially Mm -hmm. was something that 
I needed to do desperately. And I, I didn't have that foundation, period, when we were together. And again, in that pain, I grew closer to Jesus and he, I built my foundation off of him. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and even just getting into fights, it's very interesting, just us arguing about dumb stuff. I don't even need you to come make me feel better anymore. I used to be like, you can't go to bed. We're still mad at each other. Like I was so like clingy in that sense. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like sleeping. If you're annoying me, it's like, I'm fine sleeping in the guest room too. Like whatever. Like I'll just go pray about it. It's like, I'll go talk to God about it. You know, it's like I'm coming to, I'm going to God to talk about my problems with God. That's what I always wanted for you to get to that point because, you know, that's that's the only that's where everybody needs to get. And and this is the interesting that I the other thing that I learned in this process. I'm sorry, I'm I'm so talking, but the other interesting thing is God can use your pain, your death, for His glory and for the growth of that person mm-hmm. if you allow it to. Yeah. And I think sometimes we want some sort of miracle, like like honestly, like if God heals, like. Ryan right now and there's some sort of divine miracle where his kidneys are completely healed and he has he goes from Swiss you know Swiss cheese kidneys to like you know brand new kidneys like I'm okay with that but if God if God you know Ryan also needs a, a kidney transplant or he doesn't make it in this process I'm also okay with that I think I'm at the point in my life where I'm okay with whatever God does because he's gonna use you for his glory, no matter what he does. Well, yeah. And then I think that's an important concept for someone to really step back and think about because it's, it's submission. So, and that's the, that's the thing that, you know, I always tell myself and even this pain, like I said, I would go through the pain, you know, Jesus went through the pain for us. He died for our sins. He took on the burden of all those things for us. And you want to be like Jesus. And for me, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn or saying, oh, I would do this. It's like, I would. It's like, I understand what eternity means. Mm -hmm. I understand what God wants to some degree about certain things. And it's like, what he wants is for us to serve him and to love him and to have a relationship with him. And as part of that, sometimes you do have to soldier up and say, hey, look, you're in charge. And if, if this is something that I need to go through and it's gonna be painful, but it does something else in your kingdom, sign me up. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, that's very interesting. Like you said, God wants us to love him more than anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the first commandment, right? Yeah. What does he say? He says, you know, love me, your love, your, your Lord God above all all things with all your heart. And that is loving God with all your heart before loving anything or anyone in this world. Right. And so for me, I think before, like I said, I had no, fa- like my foundation was built on you. And for the first time in my life, I was forced to look at you and say, that's not a firm foundation. He could leave, but Jesus is there forever, mm-hmm. right? He's yeah. there for eternity, for a lifetime, but you, you're temporary on this, on this earth. And so for me, it's like, you know, again, like I said, that was a very hard place to be. But I think the thing that sometimes we get confluted, confluted with conflated, conflated with, sorry guys, English is my second language, (laughs) um, is that we put our faith in people and in things and we don't put our faith in God again, even putting your faith in results. I mean, yeah. And results. And, you know, yeah. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that I took out of that. And I just, I can't believe for me, like the crazy thing is when I submitted that, 
when I was okay, like genuinely okay. Like for me right now, like I'm like, I'm like excited for a divine miracle, not because of you and I, and I told you this earlier. It's not because of you and I, it's like, if this happens and, and Jesus heals you, and again, you have brand new kidneys, it, I'm just thinking about the people around us. And I'm like, Jesus, use this story. Let us, you know, use Ryan and I in whatever way that you can use us, but use us for your glory. Mm-hmm that miracles are possible because I'm, I'm literally okay with whatever the result is, but I'm excited to transform someone else's life with the miracle that God has done in your life Yeah, because those things happen. And I, again, like just like miracles can, can make someone's faith grow. You know, I think a lot of people, the opposite happens when miracles don't happen, they lose their faith. But yeah, at that, at that same time though, that's, you know, there's, there's some complexity to that and you shouldn't lose your faith because yeah. you shouldn't be focusing so much on the results. I know that's easier said than done in, in a lot of situations, but you know, God is there. God is sovereign. He is doing what he needs to do. And we don't always understand what that is. We yeah. don't always understand the ramifications or the butterfly effect or whatever, whatever else it may be. But he does at the at all times and at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, have our best interests in mind. And that can be very hard for people to understand when people have free will and they have choice and, you know, sins in mm-hmm. this world, we're in this fallen world. But, you know, God genuinely, genuinely really, really does care about you. And one of the ideas that I always kind of run with is, you know, God is God. He has all yeah. these things. He has everything, right? He has the entire universe. He can create whatever he wants, but he gave us this ability to choose whether we have a relationship with him or not and whether we, you know, trust him or not and whether we, you know, want to be with him or not. And he's giving us that choice and we're not robots. We do have free will. And that in a, in a way to me is like the, the crux of it all. It's like, choose, choose God, Yeah, choose God. And again, like, you know, the interesting thing about all of this is God does use everything for his glory, whether is is healing or whether it's death. There's this Arthur that I really like, um, and he was an ex-Muslim and converted to Christianity, and he wrote this book called um, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And and this guy, Nabil Qureshi Qureshi is his name, and he was a very, very, um, you know, inspirational person to me like the last couple of years. And I read all of his books and listened to all of his lectures. Um, and, in, in, you know, he did a, an amazing ministry while he was here on earth with us. And he ended up getting cancer, um, stage four stomach cancer, you know, right in the middle of his ministry as he's writing his second or third book. And he had like a year to live and he ended up passing away. But people were prayer warriors from all over the world were praying for him you know, day and night and people again, all over the world were praying for him. I mean, he impacted many people's lives and he helped heal many people in the name of Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. You know, he healed, he has amazing stories. He's healed praying over people and he's seen miraculous things happening for other people. And unfortunately that didn't happen for him. And in the beginning, you know, he said, you know, in the beginning of his ministry when he would, he was just having this, you know, struggle with whether he wants to accept Jesus or not. He said that Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, it's not about you. Um, and, and he kind of, you know, always told himself that in the, in, and it's not about any of us. It's well, about God well, at the was, end of the day. The, the, the background of the story is, you know, he was so afraid of telling his parents that he had 
yeah. you know, converted to Christianity and that he had accepted Jesus. And it was excruciating because he loved his parents and they'd always been there for him. And, and, and he still loved them obviously, but he was just having so much pain about that. And he ended up telling them and it just destroyed their lives. Yeah. It just, they were in shock. They were so disappointed and it was just a very emotional thing, you know, for him. And in that process, he was like, you know, I just, why don't you just kill me instead? Like, yeah. or why don't you just let me die? You know, not saying suicide, but just like, I'd rather die than go through yeah. this and put this pain on all these people. And you know, it was a really a lot of um, self pity yeah. at that point and mourning yeah. and justifiably so. But you know, and, and how he tells it is the Holy Spirit came over him and, you know, kind of said, look, look, it's, and he's like, why didn't, why did you let this happen? Why did, why did you make me go through this? And you know, the Holy Spirit said, because it's not about you. Yeah. And it's just very interesting because again, like even, even any of us, like even for Ryan and him being, you know, whether he's healed or not in this process, it's not about him, right? you know? And, you know, the one thing I took away from watching Nabil Qureshi, because I mourned when I found out he died, I genuinely mourned for him um, because he was such a, a, he was, he brought so much hope and he taught me so much about Jesus. And there were so many things that similar experiences that him and I had experienced that he became almost like a friend or someone I was like, you know, looking to, to say, Hey, you went through this experience. Like, let me read more of his books and give me more insight. And he, again, like I said, really showed me who Jesus was and taught me a lot about the Quran and, and the Bible. And, and just like, there was so much information I learned from him. But I mourned for him because I, I thought he was still alive. And so I'm Googling him to see when was his book. Like, let me see if I can follow this guy on Instagram. Is he on Twitter? You know what you do. You find a good person. And then you come to this, you come to this like information and you're like, he's, he's dead. Like what? Like, that's crazy. Stage four cancer. And then the craziest thing is he vlogged the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you go on YouTube and he has vlogs of just the stages of cancer that he was going through as he was dying. And, you know, the, the last couple of videos were very intense, you know, just watching this person kind of deteriorate away, but also intense in the sense of like, I was mourning, like, how could this happen? Like, why would you let this happen? Jesus, he loved you so much. Why would you let this happen? And the one thing I remember as I was going through this that, you know, I keep telling Ryan, like his life and his death was used for God's glory because it taught me that to the very end, this man was dying. He was faithful and he loved and he was obedient to Jesus Christ. And the other thing that I remember learning from that whole process and the way that God used his life is that in that obedience and in that love, healing is promised. It's promised. That is that is Jesus's promise, whether it's here on earth or in heaven in eternity. And with him, I remember thinking to myself, like as I was watching these videos, like how could that happen? But again, like I said, he had this sense of calmness and the sense of peace and the sense of love that yes, I'm leaving this world, but I'm going to be with my father in heaven and I'm going to be healed. Yeah. I am gonna be healed. And, and there was hope in that. It's like, it almost makes you happy for him. Like it, it left me feeling very like sad that he's not here with us anymore, but it's like he found the truth and now he's going to be with the truth. Yeah. And I remember having, you know, 
being super emotional and just like, I couldn't believe it. And this is before I got baptized. I found out about his death. And when I say I couldn't, I, I was very emotional for some reason. It made me very emotional. And I remember just asking myself, like, like, that's so crazy. That really sucks. And I went to bed that night. Remember, I woke up the next morning. This is again before I got baptized. And I had a dream where I was walking into this gates and the gate opens and he was there. And he said, hey, welcome. It's good to see you. And it was Nabil Qureshi opening the gate and saying, hey, we were waiting for you. Come join us for dinner. And in this gate, it, it, it just, I remember waking up to that. And I said to Ryan, like, I had this dream that I, he was, I know he's in heaven. He was in the kingdom. Yeah. He was in the kingdom and he was opening the doors to the kingdom and inviting me in. Mm -hmm. And it made me so emotional. And I remember like just wanting to get baptized because yeah. I wanted I wanted to be in the kingdom with all of them. And he was also there and Jesus was also there. And, and it was like, we all kind of knew each other and, and it's like, he looked good and he was healed and he, yeah. it, you know, and it brought, it was the weirdest thing because I was so sad for him for leaving. But in that dream that I saw him, he looked restored and he was happy and he was restored. And I remember saying, I want to go there and I want to be there and I, I, I want to get baptized. And so, it's just, yeah, and I, yeah, it's powerful stuff. I mean, I think that that kind of is a good wrapping up thing. We could talk yeah, forever about this, I but know. the idea being that's, that's the goal, you know, we're, we're, we're saying, and we're talking about these things and we're, you know, the podcast is seeking truth because there is truth mm -hmm. and that truth is actually in Jesus and it's in the word. And yeah. we want everybody to find that, to, to embrace that, to be at that feast in the kingdom of heaven. Like yeah. the gates are there. The door is narrow though. And you know, the I don't, I don't, is narrow, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a preachy guy. I don't want to sound like, you know, a crazy person on the corner, but you know, I said this, I, well, maybe you didn't hear the other podcast, but I, I've said this before is this podcast is, is a project out of love and about, about, caring for people and wanting people to join us and yeah. all of God's people in eternity in the kingdom. And yeah. there's so many people coming at this from so many different perspectives, you know, atheist, Islam, all these other things. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm kind of pleading with you to listen and to understand and to do your research. God wants this. God yeah. wants to be in a relationship with you and he wants you in his kingdom and it's not going to be easy getting there for some people. Some no, people, you're going to have to give up a lot. I mean, I had to give up a lot. And Jesus says that. He even says, you know, in the book of Matthews, when he's telling, he's sending out his disciples, he tells them they're going to want to kill you because of me. Right. He tells them that. And so it's not easy following Jesus. It's not, it's not easy. And your but life, in your life, when you do start following Jesus, isn't just hunky-dory and it's just not perfect it's no it's a journey and it's a relationship and yeah. it's a trust and it's a submission and mm -hmm. it's it's forging that relationship with yeah. the creator of the universe yeah and submitting and letting go of all of these temporary things around you that are going to perish yes and i think the you know again like we're wrap, we're definitely wrapping up but the thing i want to also just say is that even even in the in the darkest of moments in the dark in the darkness of time of times there is some there's a divine peace that Jesus 
following Jesus will give you. That I can promise you, right? I can't promise you you're going to have a perfectly easy, you know, hunky-dory life. No. I mean, that's promise in eternity, right? So that that is promised in eternity that will that you will have your you will be restored and perfect again. However, here on earth, following Jesus is not going to be easy. People are going to hate you. People are going to want to take your life. People are going to want to, you know, be verbally abusive to you. Family members might not want to talk to you. You might lose relationships with your parents or your grandparents or whoever is it. So, you know, but those things are not above Jesus. He's above all things. And in the process of following him and in that journey and even just in that journey through life, it's like he will give you his divine presence, his divine peace in all things in your life. Because again, we talk a lot about these things because we've been confronted with death and we've experienced and have lost people that we've loved. Um, And so those are real things. I mean, that is a 10 out of 10 chance that every single one of us is going to leave this earth at some point. And where you go and where you spend eternity is important. And it's important to us because we, we genuinely love and care about people, but it's also very important to God because he came into this world. Well, he loves and cares about you even more than we ever could. Than we ever could. That he literally came into this world so that he can give you a way to have eternity with him for life. You know? And so for us, I guess that is just the message that we will always harp on as we leave, as we leave this and our, you know, episodes might be totally out of whack and not be in, you know, coherent order, but we felt like we had this on our heart tonight and we were talking about it and we want to be transparent and we want to share our thoughts and seek the truth with you guys in these matters and just kind of share our experiences and hope that in this podcast and in these experiences and in our life that we share with you guys that, you know, you find some sort of inspiration to draw closer to Jesus. Our goal here is for you to draw closer to Jesus and to find the truth in the light. Jesus says, I am the truth and the light. And that's what we want for every single person. Yep. I agree. And that's it for this episode. (laughs) So Hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time.